The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Today's episode of the All Angels Podcast is brought to you by SportsDrink, your digital water cooler. SportsDrink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and hate your favorite team. A rising tide floats all boats, so go check them out online and on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like SportsDrink without the vowels. Oh, got it, got it, got it! 33! Center field, Marsh leaps, and he got it! Is it normally? High fly ball, deep left field, oh, 27! Does it again! For this year. Wall sends it well out to left center field! And it's gone! He went to Jerry! Way. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels baseball. You listen to All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Garcia. First off, happy Memorial Day. I am currently in New York, so this is pre-recorded from this weekend. Um, have Red Bollinger from MLB.com. Obviously, if you don't know who he is right now, he is the beat writer for Los Angeles Angels. It is his job to follow the team around throughout the whole season, write stories about stuff that comes up, whether it's milestones or, you know, kind of personal stories as well. So if you do not follow him on Twitter, I highly recommend you follow him at Red Bollinger on Twitter and follow the other beat writers too. There is Sam Blum from The Athletic, and Jeff Fletcher from the OC Register. All three of those guys give out great information about the Angels, uh, whether it's injury updates, post-pregame kind of stuff, and and write great stories about it. So I would highly recommend following all three of those guys, putting their Twitter account on alert so anytime they post something, it comes straight to your phone. And like I said, uh, whether it's roster moves, whether it's uh, pitching changes in the middle of a game if you're not able to watch the game, stuff like that, it's always good to have that kind of information come towards you. So this is probably Rhett's, I don't know, sixth, seventh time being on the podcast since we started this. Always a great guy to talk to, and he has been following the Angels now for about three or four years. So we talked a little bit about how the Angels were kind of pre-COVID in the kind of the locker room beforehand and now how it's changed. Now that he's able to get back into the locker room. He's able to see how it's changed and the vibes and all that stuff have changed for the positive with the Angels. So that's a lot of fun. We talk about trade talk. We talk about a bunch of stuff so far this year. Let me talk about our next sponsor, ColorCast. ColorCast is a live 
audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and free to use. Talk to fans, athletes, and interact in real time, perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. All you need to do is download the ColorCast app free in the iOS app store. Create a profile and link your Twitter. That's all. Come with your spectacular takes. I want to welcome back guest Rhett Bollinger. I guess it's, 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 you can say now officially friend of the podcast, Rhett Bollinger. How you doing, Rhett? Doing great. Thanks for having me on again. Always awesome. So we didn't, we talked a little bit in spring training last time you were on. We didn't talk right at the beginning of the season, but it's about two week, two months in now. We're at Memorial Day. Is this a good, you know, measuring stick as far as time? Because you, the famous saying in baseball is short sample, short sample, short sample. Is this going to be, is this a legit sample size now that we're at Memorial Day? I think so. I think some of the good teams are separating themselves and some of the, you know, not so good teams are starting to fall back in, the, in some of these races. So uh, there's still time for teams to, you know, still get back into races and still time for, for teams to fall off and all that too. But I do think right now, especially in both leagues, I think some of the, the good teams are separating themselves. We've seen, um, you know, some of the teams be expected to be good, be good. Um, you know, the Astros and, and the Yankees and, and we see teams like the Red Sox uh, be a surprise and not be so good. And same with the Mariners and the Angels have been a pleasant surprise over the last, uh, you know, 10 days or so haven't really gone their way, but at least they built up enough, uh, you know, uh, wins early on in the year, but they're in a tough stretch now, like, you know, with the, the Jays and the Yankees coming up and the Phillies and, you know, you got the Dodgers and Mariners after that and the, I think the Red Sox in that stretch. There's a lot coming up, so uh, it'll be interesting. And one of the cool things, and I was really excited to have you back on again at this point in the year because we talked about it. You're now able to get back into um, the locker room and the clubhouse, you know, before the game and talk to these guys more and more one-on-one. And it does seem like as for fans who are kind of like on the outside looking in that there is kind of a different vibe or a different kind of mentality around that team than in years past. Is it something that is you can see as you're in it as as much as the fans can see kind of on the outside? Yeah, definitely. If you're in that clubhouse, you can see kind of the collective confidence and see the leadership up close. You know, I think Noah Syndergaard really brings that to the pitching staff. Um, and I think Lorenzen is a part of that as well, too. But those guys kind of have stepped up as like veteran leaders. Um, you know, you've seen um, guys, younger guys like Detmers and Silseth uh, kind of go out in the outfield and even do yoga with those guys. <laughs> so like they're taking them under their wing. We know Trout's more of a quiet leader, but he's, he's still able to do that, especially with I um, mean, then the relievers too. you know, Loop and Tapera have their little fireside little things in the clubhouse after the games, after wins and hang out together. Archie Bradley's part of that too. So they got a good veteran core. I think the young guys are trying to learn from those guys. Um, so yeah, it's been a good vibe so far in that clubhouse, you know, and uh, it's been fun to watch. And, you know, after their games, they throw big parties with a smoke machine and <laughs> disco lights and uh, a bunch of crazy music. And so uh, you can tell they're a pretty tight knit group. Um, and so, you know, in, in, like I said, in past years, you couldn't really tell how they were in there and what they were like just because we couldn't go in there. But now that we're able to go in there and talk to the guys and, and see it up close, too, you can tell that it's, it is a tight-knit group and a definitely a confident one, too. Yeah, and I'm wondering, is it just like you mentioned, you mentioned some of the guys, and they're all new guys. They're, you know, Lorenzen and Syndergaard, Loop. Is it as simple as just, hey, get a couple good veteran guys around your team and the morale all, the, all of a sudden pops up? Or is it the winning? Like, obviously – winning people say winning's the best deodorant so um is it the winnings that kind of manufactured this 
vibe or is it truly the the veteran guys that came in? I think it's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both in a sense that I do think that, you know, they can bring in as many veterans as they want. And if they're not going to win, uh, it's going to be tough to keep that morale up. But the good thing was, is they got off to a good start this year. You know, we know in years past, that's kind of been an issue. Or if you're, even if they got off to a, a good start right away, they kind of faded pretty quickly. So this is kind of one of the first years in a while where they, they've been consistently good for, you know, two months or so now. Um, so I do think that kind of does breed that confidence. But I do think, like I said, just in terms of the, the veteran leadership in that clubhouse, you can see it's apparent. And I, you know, I know Madden likes to bring it up too and definitely sees it as well. Um, so, yeah, I do think that there there is that leadership. But I do think you're right, winning certainly does make it a lot easier to, to build chemistry. Yeah. Uh, it's always like what comes first, the chicken or the egg kind of situation. So that's great to see that vibe. Cause like I mentioned uh, on watching it at TV and at the, at the ball game in the stands, you can definitely see it kind of come through the TV that way. And it's cool to actually see that it's happening inside the locker room where you guys are at. So one of the biggest surprises so far this year has to be Taylor Ward and his all of a sudden offensive outburst. Was there any kind of signs through spring training and even maybe beginning of the, I know he didn't start the season on the team because he was on the IL, but was there any kind of hints leading up to the explosions he had that this was going to happen? Not exactly to this extent. I mean, even last year you saw some flashes that he was a better offensive player than he had been in previous years. Um, in spring training, you know, he was solid, but we never really thought of anything of it. I thought that, you know, before the Justin Upton move, I thought there was a chance that maybe he would be the odd man out because they're going to go with an outfield with, you know, Adele and Marsh and, and Upton out there. Um, but sure enough, you know, Joe, though, I mean, they, they knew something. I mean, they knew that, uh, you know, he had some potential there because Joe kept talking him up in spring training and, and Perry, too, and kind of made it sound like, you know, he was going to be the starting right fielder no matter what. So that kind of surprised us that he was going to be getting that job. And then, obviously, like I said, he got hurt uh, in that Dodger series and uh, ended up opening the injured list. So we, we kind of still weren't really sure what to expect when he came back. And sure enough, <laughs> pretty much day one, he's been hitting like Mike Trout. So um, it's been pretty incredible to watch. You know, it's unfortunately, he's had a couple, uh, you know, minor injuries here and there, including this uh, this neck stinger right now that's uh, kind of hurting his shoulder and doesn't really allow him to throw at full strength. I'm um, hoping that'll kind of calm down soon. But um, other than that, you know, when he's been on the field, he's been pretty incredible. And, you know, and the one thing I guess, you know, he's a former first-round pick, so you know that he had, you know, uh, a first-round pick for a reason. He, he has a great eye offensively and has always had that. I think he has had to kind of fix his swing over the last few years and truthfully find his position too, because, you know, drafted as a catcher, went to third base, moved to outfield. So he's developed into a pretty good outfielder too, because he, he can run a little bit and, uh, you know, gets good jumps. So right now he's been an all around really good player. It's just about him, you know, kind of keeping him on the field and keeping him healthy. Uh, you know, he's not gonna hit like this all year, but he can still, I think, be an at least above average hitter uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, we definitely hope that he's at least able to be, fill that third or fourth spot in the offense behind Trout, Otani, uh, Rendon when he gets back, stuff like that. But other than Ward, what's another surprise to you so far this year from a player? Maybe Jimmy Hergett. I know it's kind of a, a random one, but he's been a big surprise in the bullpen. Um, he's been probably maybe the most consistent reliever. You know, uh, in, on Friday night against the Blue Jays, through two scoreless you know, retired all six batters, struck out two of them and threw only 17 pitches. So he, he's been a really big addition to the bullpen or to a guy that stepped up in the bullpen that kind of has been a surprise. Um, I think that's probably been, you know, it's hard to say it's been much of a surprise with, with Sandoval. I mean, he's definitely pitched better than expected, um, but I thought that, you know, he had that in him. 
Um, and I think, you know, Lorenzen too could be a surprise just because coming from the bullpen in Cincinnati, you weren't really sure what to expect in terms of him as a starter, but he's held up really well so far. Um, he looks legit as a, as a starter. We'll see if he can, you know, stay healthy throughout the year and all that. But I think him pitching every other or every week kind of allows him to stay healthy. The same thing with Syndergaard. So, but yeah, for some reason, I think Kurgit kind of stands out to me, but I do think Lorenzen has been a pleasant surprise too. And kind of talking about, you mentioned a lot of pitchers there, Syndergaard, Hergit, Lorenzen. You know, it seems like this is the first time in a while where the Angels didn't have a turnover at that pitching coach position. Obviously, um, I believe it was what Doug White was there for a couple of years, and then the new regime came in, and that, and then it was supposed to be Mickey Callaway until his whole situ- situation popped up, and now you had. Um, Matt Weiss, who had the interim co- uh, pitching coach title last year and is now the actual pitching coach, is has he been able to steady the young guys and, and kind of point them in the right direction and then also maybe the veteran guys get them on the same page as the, what the team wants? Like, how has he been affecting this team? Yeah, it's definitely been an underrated thing. You know, I don't think fans talk enough about sometimes the, the coaches that can help out here, and especially with some of the young guys like we talked about. I do think he's played a major role in really helping Patrick Sandoval develop. Um, and same thing with he's trying that with Reed Detmers right now. We obviously saw it work in the, the no hitter and otherwise he's been a little inconsistent here and there, but kind of working with him to get that fastball in more and get ahead of hitters so he can use that change up and, uh, you know, breaking ball more effectively. And, you know, so, and I think Syndergaard, you know, probably has kind of his own plan a little bit, but at least he's there to kind of guide him. Um, and, and then Lorenzen too has been a veteran, but not really as a starting pitcher. So I think they're trying to work with Lorenzen on, you know, or pitch mix and, and when to use his pitches. Um, so I think he's getting better at that, too. I think that's going to be kind of an adjustment for him as the season goes along. Um, he does love to rely, like, on, you know, his slider sometimes, which isn't his best pitch, uh, Lorenzen. So I, I think that Wise has a good plan. Um, and I think Dom Chidi's done a good job in the bullpen, too, helping develop some of the younger arms there, too, as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they have a good coaching staff right now, the one that Madden trusts. And I do think that Wise... It's played a role, especially for a guy that, you know, last year was kind of thrown into the, you know, thrown into <laughs> in the, the fire. <laughs> yeah. And it was a little tougher, you know, but we saw, we still saw guys develop last year though, too. I mean, we saw Sandoval really start to develop. We saw Jose Suarez get better so far this year. Suarez has regressed a little bit, but uh, still time for him to turn it around. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, you got to give them some credit for what they've done with the pitching staff this year. Yeah. And I think if I remember correctly too, it seemed like towards the, back half of last year and i don't know if it was because maybe matt himself was starting to feel more comfortable in that coaching position but it did seem like the the pitching was starting to come around slowly towards the end of the season but by then you had all the injuries and just you know you had a bunch of young guys so it wasn't going to make a huge difference in the standings but it just seems like that kind of laid the foundation down for what's happening this year as far as some of those younger pitchers that were there last year some of the other maybe not disappointments that you have so far this year, but guys maybe not off to as good of starts as you thought they were going to be this year. I mean, Anthony Rendon obviously hasn't been off to a great start. And then right now he's still with that wrist inflammation. We still don't quite know exactly how long he'll be out. If it's going to be a short-term or a long-term injury. Um, the fact that it wasn't like a, a strain or anything or some sort of a major injury, at least inflammation makes it seem a little bit more uh, minor, but you never know. So I think that's been kind of a disappointment again, where, uh, you know, he, he's shown some flashes again of what he's able to do, but just hasn't been able to do it consistently. And early in the year, you know, he made some errors. Um, so that's kind of been kind of a an issue. And, 
you know, and it's hard, you know, and Joe Adele obviously had high hopes for him starting the year off and just the defense still just wasn't quite there for him to go back to triple A definitely was tough, but it made sense to have him play every day, especially with the way that Brandon Marsh has become an everyday player and same with Taylor Ward when he's healthy. Um, you know, obviously with Ward recently, they had to bring up Lagares uh, because Andrew Wade or sorry, Tyler Wade wasn't really uh, cutting it in right field defensively. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's been kind of a, a little bit of a disappointment. Just, just, I mean, Adele was supposed to really step up and, and Rendon, I think, you know, was a, a kind of a, supposed to be a big key cog in this lineup. And it's not that he's been bad. It's just he hasn't been that superstar that he's been kind of paid to be uh, with his contract. So I think probably Rendon's the one that stands out the most to me. Some guy, and this kind of going back to surprises a little bit, and this pops in my head right now, a big surprise. And you kind of put me to him early when we we're talking during spring training about his defensive skills. And that is Andrew Velasquez and how good, um, sorry, defensively he was and the opportunities he didn't get in New York. But now it seems like Joe has committed to him fully at that shortstop position. Is that, is he there? Is he that his position to lose now at, at this point? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens when David Fletcher comes back. I'm in a few months here, a month maybe from now. Um, because he's really been a great defender, like you said. He's been one of the better defenders in baseball, uh, really at any position. And, and his offense is getting better, too. I think over his last, you know, I think he's hitting like maybe like 280 over his last 15 games or something like that, which is, is much better than when he was hitting, you know, below 200 for a good part of the early part of the season. So if they can get some offense out of him, too, uh, even better. But even if not, I think that, you know, He's been so good defensively. He's worth putting out there. Um, I think that Joe Madden obviously has a lot of confidence in his defense. And I think the pitchers love to see the lineup card with, with him in there. Uh, because when Rendon was was healthy, uh, you know, defensively, Rendon's still a good player. I know he made a couple errors early in the year, but he's still a really good defender. So for um, a while there, that left side of the infield really was pretty incredible defensively. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's been really impressive what he's been able to do. Um, and the fact that he's, you know, showing some more offense is re really big too. But I think right now, for sure, uh, he's their starting shortstop. So, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, we're about we're at Memorial Day. This would come be coming out on Memorial Day, and in your opinion, who is this team? Is this team one that can compete for a division? Is it pretty safe to say a wild card? Is it a team that still has a lot of holes? What, what in your opinion, is this team right now? It's a good question. I don't know that they're. I mean, they could win the division. You never know. But, I mean, the Astros have still been really solid. Um, it could be tough to, to overcome them just because they do have a, a very deep lineup. Um, it's a very good team. So, but I, I do think the goal needs to be to make the playoffs for sure. I think that, you know, with, with it's been so long for them. I know Mike Trout is desperate to get back, and, and so is Shohei Otani just to get there for the first time. And it could play a, a very large role in whether or not Otani wants to sign an extension with the Angels. So, um, it is really important for this team, whether it's to win the division, I think just, just to make the playoffs. I don't I don't think it really matters if they're a wildcard team or not. Obviously, they got to kind of maybe advance a little bit to, to kind of make these guys feel, you know, like Otani feel a little bit better about it. But um, I, I do think this is a potential playoff team. Like I said, the stretch right now will kind of show us a little bit more about this team because they do have a tough stretch coming up. Um, but right now in the American League, like I said, some of these teams that were supposed to be good, like the Mariners and Red Sox, really are off to slow starts, which kind of helps the Angels' case. Um, otherwise, the teams we thought would be good were, have been good. So the, the Astros, the Yankees, uh, the Rays, um, the Blue Jays, and then and then Central has been a little surprised. The, the White Sox better than the White Sox, and the White Sox have been a little inconsistent. Um, and I'm sure the White Sox probably will heat up just looking at their roster. They have a pretty stacked roster. They just haven't played well. 
Um, but I do think if the Red Sox and Mariners continue to kind of, uh, you know, play the way they've been playing or decide to sell, especially the Red Sox have a lot of guys to sell, the Angels could be one of the wild card teams. Um, and, they, you know, what they've been able to do, I think, has been legit and seems sustainable. But um, it's going to be key to get Ward healthy and, and obviously Rendon eventually healthy here and and get that sixth spot in the rotation kind of get still sit there. One of these guys to really claim that. That'll really help. And even Detmers needs to continue to develop. Um, but at least the veterans, um, you know, whether it's Syndergaard or Lorenzen and Otani, and at least they've, you know, they've pitched well. Uh, Sandoval, obviously. So um, the bullpen, you know, some of the back end of that, Iglesias needs to be a little better. So does Luke, even Tapera. Um, but I, I do think this team does have the pieces to be a playoff team. So you hear that team has the possibility of being a playoff team, which automatically for a lot of fans means triggers buy, buy, buy at the trade deadline. If the Angels were to address a certain position, what would you think would be their number one priority going into uh, a trade deadline? We kind of have to see as we get closer to it in terms of what their biggest need would be. And because, you know, injuries could play a part of that as well. Um, but I think it'd probably be a pitcher of some sort. I mean, if they could really get a, you know, a top starting pitcher to join that rotation, that'd be huge, especially if they have playoff aspirations to have a, a guy they can count on in the postseason. Um, if not, you know, you could always add, a, you know, a reliever. And usually relievers at the deadline, especially if it's an impending free agent, you usually can get them for not much in terms of prospects. Um, the big question is going to be, you know, if, let's say if the Red Sox are out of it, you know, would the Angels go in on a shortstop and try to trade for, you know, Xander Bogarts and try to get him for half a season and really add to a stacked lineup? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Perry does and how aggressive he wants to be and how much he's willing to, to trade. Because I, I know that they definitely still want to build for the future. Um, they have, you know, a lot of young pitching in their organization, after, especially after drafting, you know, 20, 20 out of 20. Last year, <laughs> I don't know if they want to really dip into their pitching because uh, I think that's something they're trying to build for the future. But you never know. They could trade some of their position player prospects. Um, you know, you couldn't even roll out, you know, maybe even Adele. But at the same time, Adele, his value has gone down with the way he's played this year. So um, it'll be interesting. But I, I do think there's definitely stuff they could add to this team for sure. It's just a matter of how aggressive Perry wants to be. And with this season being the expanded playoffs, how do you think that affects the trade market? Because it's, you know, with with the expanded playoffs, you, you're – in your mind, you think, okay, more teams are going to supposedly be in it longer because of that last playoff spot. Is that going to affect as much maybe movement just overall in baseball? Or is it also too probably going to jack up prices on certain guys that are on the trade uh, trade block? Yeah, I mean, I think right now that it does seem like there's kind of a clear division between the have and have nots. So I don't think there's quite as much of a, you know, there's some years where there's a really a big mix of a bunch of teams that are right in that mix in the playoffs that are like, kind of neck and neck, whereas I feel like this year there's just a lot of teams that are either just bad or, or, or good, and there's not that many teams in between. So I, I do think there's a chance that there's going to be more action, and just because some of the bad teams are more willing to, to sell. I think at one point, I think last week it was like, you know, there were seven teams in each league that had a winning record, and that's what, what exactly how many teams make the playoffs, right? So, like, so, yeah, I mean, we'll see how things kind of change here in the next month or so. But I, I do think there's been a little bit more of a clear division this year and what teams would be potential sellers compared to recent years where it can be a little bit more muddled. Um, but like a team like the Mariners, for example, might still be in that mix and might not want to do either, um, which could change the market. But I do think if like the Red Sox would be, that's the biggest one. So if the Red Sox totally fall out of it, they have a ton of pieces that are going to be free agents um, and they can sell for, you know, a, a lot of those guys and get a lot of prospects back. So I think they're definitely the team to watch in terms of how they end up going toward the deadline. 
So kind of moving forward now past this season, and I don't know if it's come out or if you guys have talked to Perry at all, but has there been any talk about Joe Madden and his future with the Angels after this season? Not quite yet. And we talked about it a little bit during spring training. We know that they have an option for next year for Joe, so he's not going to be – so at least they have that in a sense. But I think it's going to be kind of dependent on how the, the season kind of finishes out here. I think if they make the playoffs, you know, they'll definitely bring Joe back. Whether it's going to be picking up his option or potentially giving him a, an extension, um, so I think it's still too early to really know what they're going to do. I do think it is kind of dependent on how they they finish the year, because um, you know Perry wasn't the one that hired Joe, right? That was the regime before. It does seem like they get along, you know, and all that, and um, and I think the clubhouse people do respond to Joe. They um, so we'll kind of see here. I do think it's going to depend on how they finish and if they make the postseason. So another one, a little prediction. We already talked about some of the main guys that have had stepped up this season and put the Angels in the position they are now record-wise. Now fast-forwarding to All-Star Game. If you had to make a prediction, how many Angels do you think make the All-Star team? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, Trout's definitely a lock. I mean, the fans are going to vote Trout in every year. Same with Otani. Even if he's not having the same quite a year he had last year, he's still going to be an All-Star. Um I figure those two for sure. I mean, Ward certainly has a strong case if he can continue to be on the field. Um, and I would think that, you know, Sandoval too, especially if he continue to get his innings up. So um, I don't know that Syndergaard or Lorenzen have done quite enough. Like I said, in the bullpen, most of the stars there really, their ERAs just aren't quite as good. Loop and uh, Iglesias' ERAs, I think are about four now. Um, so yeah, to me, I would, I would think that it most likely would be, you know, Trout and Otani for sure, and then possibly Ward and and possibly even Sandoval with the way he's pitched this year. So now who would be... And maybe Walsh. I guess you can't rule out Walsh. Walsh, yeah, because he kind of came onto the scene last year in, in the All-Star game yeah, nationally. Yeah, he's been an All-Star. Exactly. He's already been an All-Star. I don't have to see how many other first basemen are having big years this year in the AL, but you can't rule out Walsh, especially if he gets really hot. He gets, he gets on those streaks. And, and it uh, seems like, too, he's, he's, he's batting against lefties better than he was at the beginning yeah. of the year, too. So that part of his right. game is kind of heating up as well. Yeah, absolutely. So who would be at the end of the year the MVP for the for the Angels? Obviously you have Trout, Otani, Ward is on an incredible pace. Like who who would you think would be the MVP at the, for the Angels at the end of the year? I think the safest bet is probably just Trout just because he's always so good. <laughs> um, I know he's had a little bit of a slump recently. You know he had the double yesterday but did have a little bit of a, a kind of a thing where he was striking out a little bit and struck out four times in a game but he's always so consistently good and, and rarely ever slumps. He's kind of a easier pick, but with Otani, as long as he's you know above average as a hitter and a pitcher, um, it's hard to top that. Just because to do both, uh, nobody else is doing that as we know, and to add it up together, uh, even if he's not having a year, like I said, quite like last year, it's still incredible. I think we take it for granted a little bit just because last year he set the bar and the standards so so high um, that it's just hard to match. But you never know. Said so he could heat up too, and. Um, but I think Ward, you know, certainly has a case. I think he's been off to a great start. It's just a matter of him continuing it. It just seems more likely that we've already seen Trout and Otani have, like, MVP-type years. We've never seen Ward do it over a full year, so it's hard to, to count on that. But uh, I would think Trout, Trout's probably the safest bet, but I do think Otani, as long as he stays healthy and, and does both at a high level, it's always hard to top, top him as an MVP. And we always talk about health in general with this team. Is this team... 
able to withstand a serious injury, in your opinion, whether it be to Trout or Otani or I guess Rendon? I guess we still don't know what the extent of Rendon is, but is this team able to sustain any kind of injury to one of those main guys? I mean, they could. It's just not something that, you know, we said we'll find out about Rendon. It could be, you know, a few weeks or a month or so. We'll kind of find out here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, last year we kind of saw the team still kind of at least stay afloat a little bit with, with the way that Otani carried the team despite having Trout out and Rendon out. Um, there is a little bit more depth, but if they lost Trout, that would be tough because they don't really have, I feel like, the outfield depth. They'd really have to have Barsh step up and, and probably even Joe Adele in that situation really step up. So it's just tough to weather an injury to Trout. Same thing with Otani. You can't replace Otani with the way that he's able to do both. So, yeah, I mean, either one of those guys would be really tough to overcome. I think anybody else in the roster, you know, I think they could find ways, but those two guys are just pretty impossible to replace. All right, last prediction for you. Do the Angels make the playoffs in 2022? I still think they do. I know this is a tough stretch right now, and so they haven't been playing quite as well recently, but... Um, I think they can still, you know, kind of beat up on the rest of the division, the Rangers and the, and the A's, uh, and possibly the Mariners. We haven't really even seen them play the Mariners yet, so that'll be definitely. They haven't played them at all this year, and it's like almost yeah. it's two months in. <laughs> so yeah, so no, but I think I've seen enough this year to think this team is is legit and has a real chance to make the playoffs. So no, in my opinion, uh, I do think they make it. I, I still think the Astros are probably going to win the division, uh, but I do think the Angels get in as, as one of the wild cards. I know for a lot of Angel fans, that is news to their ears because obviously with the start of the season, a lot of hope and, um, you know, almost anxiousness to be like, okay, let's finally get to that point where you get into the playoffs. And I don't know about you, but I feel like with the top three relievers, and you've seen a lot of and covered a lot of playoff baseball, I just feel like with the top three relievers, or not relievers, starters the Angels have with uh, Noah, Otani, and like Sandoval, Lorenz, and I guess you can figure out who that number three is. That's kind of what you need, though, in the playoff kind of series. It's like you need a strong top three. You don't necessarily need to worry about your fifth and in, in the Angels' case, a sixth starter because of the way the schedule all works out. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a big key. And, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, center guard, I think, pitching the postseason before. And so, yeah, I think Otani would probably be the, the game one type starter, but Sandoval would be in that mix with center guard and Sandoval Lorenzen, too. Usually nowadays, as long as you need a fourth starter in the playoffs, too. So, um, they do have at least some depth there finally. I said, I'm curious to see if they want to get at the deadline another ace type guy to really, you know, go up at the top there and really have a, you know, a, a top, top rotation going into the playoffs. But I said, we'll kind of see who's out there at the time. I said, it's still a little early to know exactly what they'll do and who's going to be available. Um, but yeah, so that's already a pretty solid top of the rotation for a playoff series. But if they were to go out and get like a Luis Castillo or something, mm-hmm. then they become really a dangerous team that most teams really wouldn't want to face, knowing they had to face a lineup with, you know, Trout and Otani and, you know, hopefully Rendon by then and, and Ward and all that and Walsh um, and then have a rotation like that. So like I said, who knows? Or maybe they go, you know, if I said, if they want to go for a big short edition or there's options, we'll, we'll see what they want to do to try to beef up that team if they're going to make the postseason. All right. Last question. This is a little bit off of baseball, but me and my wife were, she's addicted to the whole TikTok thing. And there's a bunch of videos going on right now with graduation and graduation pranks and you being a USC grad, I was wondering if you had any stories from your graduation from, you know, friends, people you didn't quite know, but you heard stories about that. So do you have anything graduation story-wise that's able to share? Well, I know with USC, our big thing during graduation, which was fun, is like uh, they had a thing called like the fountain run. And so like we'd all just go and everyone would have a bunch of drinks. I'm not going to lie. And then you'd run <laughs> USC at the campus. There's a bunch of fountains everywhere. 
and everyone would run and just jump into the fountains and get all wet and drink and run around to the next fountain and just it just was ridiculous i think it was the night before graduation i think i don't know if they still do it or not to be honest i haven't really followed up i know my year and it was definitely tradition in the past i don't know if COVID or anything's changed that these days but uh and that was kind of a fun thing we're going to all my friends at sc and all of us were running around having a good time i think some of us ended up getting lost from each other uh just because the craziness of it all just going to different fountains and running around and being soaking wet and so that was definitely one of my favorite memories of of my SE graduation, but it was nice just to have my my family there and everything for the real one. And nothing really crazy happened uh, that I remember my real one, except for the guy next to me definitely bought a flask and he was like drinking. drinking. <laughs> Otherwise, it wasn't anything too crazy for the actual day of. Because <laughs> now you're seeing videos of people doing flips off the stage or just flat out just throwing up or just you know a little bit of a little bit of craziness. Of, uh, yeah, I guess, but I guess you can find that anywhere on the social media now. It's all going to be in one spot, so it's easy to find like the now. Fountain, the fountain run could have been a good TikTok of people jumping into fountains <laughs> Back then. crazy, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> all right, Rhett. Thanks again. Remember, follow Red and all the Angel news on his Twitter, at Rhett Bollinger. And also, too, you can read his stories on MLB.com. He's the beat writer for the Angels, if you don't know by now. Make sure you put his... Twitter on alert. So as he posts stuff, uh, whether it's articles or updates on roster moves and all that stuff, you get it on your phone right away. So Rep, again, thank you again. Always appreciate the time you take to jump on the podcast. No problem. That was awesome again. It was a lot of fun. And I want to thank Rhett Bollinger again for jumping on the podcast, taking time out before he heads to the stadium um, to cover the Toronto Blue Jays series. So like I mentioned, I am, as you're listening to this, I am currently in New York with my wife. Hopefully, able to get all three of the New York Yankees Angels games underneath our belt at Yankee Stadium will be the first time both of us actually have been in New York and definitely the first time we have both been at Yankee Stadium so hopefully you are following us on our social media feeds at halo underscore haven both on Twitter on Instagram because this will be the only podcast this week I'm not putting anything out really on uh, Tuesday or Thursday or uh, Wednesday or Thursday because of the travel and just being out there in New York, we'll come back on Sunday night to kind of recap the Yankee series. And obviously by then they'll have also played the Phillies out in Philadelphia. So uh, like I mentioned, follow us on our Instagram, halo underscore Haven, Twitter and Twitter and on Instagram. Cause I'll be posting a lot of stuff there as we make our way through the city. And obviously a lot of stuff pregame, hopefully post game stuff too. And hopefully to be able to, uh, meet up with some of the players, hopefully run into some of the players around town and, and before the game for sure. So if you haven't already, follow us, follow us there. And then always, too, if you want to contact us, you can email us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Something new, though, that we are doing for the podcast is that we have a voicemail line for the fans. So if you guys want to voice an opinion you have a question for an upcoming podcast or even too if you ha- you wanted me to explain something from a previous podcast you can go ahead and call us and leave a voicemail number is 951-384-0810 we'll be posting that number all over our social media feeds and in the description of this episode so like i mentioned if you have a question or just a comment or anything like that don't be afraid to leave it we'll play it on the next podcast podcast that will be recorded Sunday night after the Philadelphia Phillies series. So if you're in New York, hit me up. Hopefully angels get out of this Toronto series with at least a split. By the time you listen to this, you'll know whether or not they were able to win the last two games, but hopefully the angels are able to 
really take advantage of a New York team right now that is dealing with some injuries to some players and able to win the series out in the Bronx. So until next time, I'm your host, Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. 